Glory to God. Here we go. They're trying to pump me up back there. And I don't even have it turned on. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Better? All right. Hey, forgiveness, uh, forgiveness sermon series. Forgiveness is huge. Uh, We're in week three. And as I was studying for this week, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, man, this could go on for five or six or 10 or 52 weeks. I mean, forgiveness is a big deal. And there's a lot to say about it. And there's a lot of us that aren't doing it. (laughs) Uh, Let me say this. We can approach, uh, if you're having a hard time with forgiveness, let me say this. We can approach forgiveness from a selfish standpoint. I mean, we can't, we shouldn't. Jesus told us we shouldn't be selfish, but if we're honest about it, if we honestly read the word and believe what the word says, then we should, just for the sake of wanting to be selfish, we should want to forgive people. Because why? Because it's when we forgive others that God forgives us. So, I mean, I'm not telling you to be selfish. The pastor is not telling you to be... Man, I was in church today and the pastor told me to be selfish. Can you believe it? That's not what I'm saying. From no other standpoint alone, other than the fact that, guys, we need this. We have to do this. We have to work through whatever it is that we have unforgiveness for. We have to work through it. We have to. Our very life depends upon it. We don't do it honestly. So real, if, we, if we were to approach forgiveness, I want to finish this selfish standpoint, right? So if we were to approach forgiveness from a selfish standpoint, we really wouldn't achieve forgiveness. But here's the way that we really get there. We have to come to a realization that we have been forgiven. When we understand how much Jesus has forgiven us, we will willingly, readily, and with the quickest way that we know how, forgive those people who hurt us or offended us. The problem is that we sit here and we think, I'm a good person. How much did Jesus really need to forgive me? All right, let's get into the message before I get get myself really in trouble here. We're going to touch on this again. We're going to touch on this again. We've already talked about the fact that forgiveness should be done daily. We've already talked about the fact that forgiveness affects our salvation. We've already talked about the fact that forgiveness leads to freedom in our lives. We've already talked about that fact that we need to forgive others. And we've already talked about the fact that we need to forgive ourselves. This is just a quick slide for review. There's a lot there. Well, guys, there's a lot more coming. So let's jump into some scriptures today and see what else forgiveness affects, because forgiveness changes things. Forgiveness changes things. Forgiveness changes a lot of things. Forgiveness changes everything. Here's the first scripture today. Mark chapter 11, we're going to read through verse 25 or 6. It says, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. You remember the scripture? Jesus is walking in, and he curses, the, or they're walking out, and he curses the fig tree. And then they're walking by the next day, and Peter says, look, the fig tree's dead. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering what Jesus had said, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, 
the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. And so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Um, Charles Price uh, says that it should actually be read, have the faith of God. Because where do we get faith from? We get faith from God. Have faith, have the faith of God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he asks for. Therefore, I say, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So Jesus is talking about faith. Jesus is telling us how to have faith and how to have our faith work in our lives. And then he says this. And whenever you stand praying, now he just said, stand and pray and ask and ask in faith and believe that what you're going to receive, you're going to get. And when you stand in praying and asking, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. He ties forgiveness back to faith. Yeah, is there a lack of faith in your life? Is there unforgiveness in your life? Forgiveness or unforgiveness affects our faith. Why are my prayers ineffective? Why can't I seem to break through? Do you have unforgiveness in your life? Is there someone whom you haven't forgiven? It will affect your faith. It will affect your faith. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your heavenly Father may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will my Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. You know, these little clips of Jesus saying this, forgive or you will not be forgiven, they're stuck in all over the place. They're really stuck in all over the place. As you read through the the epistles, it's stuck in all over the place. It's a big deal. It constantly comes up. Forgive, forgive, forgive. We have to forgive. We must forgive. We need to forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness affects our faith. Forgiveness affects everything. I want to read Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. You guys know this story, um, but I want to read it anyways. It's always good to read Scripture. Scripture is life. Scripture is life. It's, it's literally life. And so as we, as we read the Word, Jesus breathes in us. As we read the Word, the Holy Spirit comes alive in us. Guys, if you're not reading the Word, how do you expect God to do anything on the inside of you? If you're not reading your Word, if you're not understanding what God has said, how can you walk it out? We need to eat it, read it, eat it, breathe it, sleep it. It needs to be an extension of, of who we are. Yeah. When somebody asks you a question, you should literally be able to, maybe you know, it's not always fitting, but you should be able to respond with the word of God. Why? Because it, it should be second nature to us because it's who God is and we want to be like him. All right. So I say all that to say that I'm going to read this whole story. Verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asks Jesus to eat with him. And so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head 
and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, understanding his thoughts, answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they both had nothing with which to repay, guys, it doesn't matter if we owe 500 or 50 or one or half a denarii, right? It doesn't matter if we have half a sin accounted against us. You have nothing to pay the debt. None of us have anything to pay the debt. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Jesus answered and said, you have rightly judged. He then turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, thank you, Jesus, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to, who, but to whom little is forgiven, the same will love little. Then he said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sin? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's a lot of things that we can learn from this story. Number one, we all have sin. Number two, Number two, we have nothing. None of us have anything with which to repay. And so we're dependent upon Jesus to forgive us. We're fully dependent upon Jesus to forgive us. Number three, forgiveness brings love. How many of you want to love more? How many of you want to love better? How many of you want to love like Jesus? We need to forgive more. When we forgive more, we'll love more. When we forgive more, we'll be forgiven more and we'll love more. See, unforgiveness stands in the way of love. And this is a problem. Unforgiveness, follow me guys, unforgiveness stands in the way of love. Jesus came to remove everything that hinders love. Jesus came to remove that which hinders love. What hinders love? Sin, for, sin hinders love. Unforgiveness hinders love. And so he made a way for us to forgive, for us to be forgiven. Forgiveness brings love, causes us to be able to love better. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. We're just going to keep plowing through because... There's just a lot that I want to try to get to today, and we'll see how, how well we do. It says, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For indeed, I have forgiven, for indeed I have forgiven anything, 
For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven the one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So what do we know? Right? I, this, is, this is the way that I read my Bible, guys. I read the scriptures and then I'm like, what do I know? What do I know about forgiveness now that we've read this scripture? Satan uses unforgiveness as a foothold in your life. It's a tool that he uses. And so when we decide to stay in a place of unforgiveness, we literally give Satan power back over our lives. We've already talked about freedom. We saw last two weeks ago how, how forgiveness brings freedom. This is a little bit different. Unforgiveness literally gives Satan a legal right to be back in our life. <sighs> I'll just keep going. Ver, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 30 and 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Paul's going on, and then he says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he says all of this stuff about anger, malice, hatred, wrath, bitterness. These are all a result. All of these things, clamor, evil speaking, these are all a result of unforgiveness in my life. See, we have unforgiveness in my life, and then what do I want to do? I need to tell somebody. You know, somebody hurt me. Somebody... Somebody did something, and so I need to tell somebody, and that's evil speaking. And so suddenly we begin to speak evil. There's unforgiveness in our lives, and it, it builds the reaction that we have. If we, let, if we let unforgiveness remain, we're going to come to a place where we get angry, where we have wrath. Bitterness, bitterness starts, and then bitterness will turn into anger and wrath. If you're a person who deals with anger all the time, a lot of times you, you're probably a person who forgives more slowly. We need to learn to be quicker to forgive. When we, are, when we don't forgive, we, we actually grieve the Holy Spirit. We've already read, we read the scripture a, a couple weeks ago and it said, you know, God forgave that servant of all of that millions of dollars, and then that servant wouldn't forgive just a few dollars. And it's, it says that, that, that the king was angry with him because he refused to have compassion. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we won't forgive, when we won't forgive. There's all different types of... Uh, things that we need to forgive. People do all different kinds of things. And so, you know, somebody will say, you know, I, I forgive a lot of people, but I can't forgive so-and-so. Well, you're choosing not to. Because if you can forgive anyone, you can forgive everyone. 
A lot of, there's a lot of hard things that we need to forgive. There's, there's things that come up. And that doesn't mean, guys, when we forgive, it doesn't mean that there, doesn't, there isn't social justice. If somebody wrongs you, it doesn't mean that there isn't social justice that's still in place. If something horrific happens, there's still a court of law, and we may still need to testify and correct that thing that they're doing so that they don't continue to do it to others. It doesn't mean that we continue to let it go. But we need to move to a place of forgiveness. All right, so we just added to the pile. Forgiveness affects our faith. Forgiveness causes us to love. I didn't pull out the scripture, but forgiveness affects our health. Forgiveness affects our health. Your health, my health, if forgiveness will affect, it will cause you to be sick. If you hold unforgiveness in your heart, it'll cause you to be sick. Unforgiveness gives place to the devil, and unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. Guys, we need to work through forgiveness. Here's some steps to forgiveness. We forgive by faith. Sometimes somebody's done something and you just can't forgive it. And you, the words may come out of your mouth, I'll never forgive so-and-so. I'll never forgive so-and-so. I'll never forgive so-and-so for what they did. You, the first thing you need to do is you need to change the conversation that you're having. Because if that's the proclamation out of your mouth and that's the reality in your heart, you need to change the conversation that you're having. And if it's by faith alone, God, I forgive Billy Bob by faith alone. I forgive whoever it is by faith alone. God, and then, you know, you come to church and you're working it out or you're in your secret place and you're working out, God, I forgive so-and-so. And you walk out and you're like, I didn't. But then you come back again the next day, and you're like, God, I want to forgive so-and-so. Give me grace. Give me faith. Give me strength. See, because it's by his grace that we are able to forgive, not by our own strength. If we were to attempt to do it in our own strength, guys, we're going to fail. But here's the glorious news is that God gives us strength. God gives us grace. God gives us the ability. God gives us the compassion that we need to forgive. Sometimes... Sometimes we need to forgive by faith. Sometimes we can forgive if we can understand the wounds that the person that hurt us has. This was an exercise that we went through uh, back in Promise Keepers. Uh, we did Promise Keepers back in the 90s. I don't know how many of you are, uh, did that. There was a little book. We worked through it. I, it changed my life. And so one of the one of the things in Promise Keepers was for men, and one of the things that they dealt with was uh, the issue of the father wound, right? We all have fathers, and all of our fathers hurt us in some way, and so all of our fathers broke us. You know, they did something somewhere along the way, and I'm sure I've even done it with my kids, where they're going to have to forgive me. Why? Because I'm not perfect. None of us are. And so in the book, they say, what did your father have to go through Think about, go ask, find out what did your father have to go through and how well did he come through it? And then go back another generation and find out what did your grandfather have to go through that caused him to live the way that he lived. And so um, we did this exercise. And so as we went back, as we went back, I... One of the things that I found out talking with my dad was that um, at the age of 
14, 15 years old, my grandfather's mother passed away, and his father remarried. He had a younger brother that was around eight or nine years old, might have even been younger than that. And when, the, my, when my grandfather's father remarried, the boys were kicked out of the house. My grandfather was 14, 15 years old, and so he was old enough to get a job and basically support himself and find a place to live. And the younger brother, they sold to a family down in New Jersey. And he lived in that house in New Jersey, and he slept on a mat by the back door where there was a draft. And he cleaned the house and did whatever chores needed to be done. He was basically like a slave. And so my grandfather, for two years, had a job and saved his money, and he went down and he bought his brother back. He, bought, he had to pay that family for his brother, and he brought him back home. This is, this is the reality of the history of my family lineage. And so this is why my grandfather lived and did the way that he lived the way that he did. Is it an excuse? No. Did he do the best that he could? I think he did. Did he do great? And I don't even want to get into what happened in the next generation, but you know what? My dad lived through what he lived through, and my dad was a great dad. There were things that my dad didn't do, but when I look at the things that my grandfather had done to my father and my great-grandfather had done to my grandfather, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And it gives me compassion. It gives me understanding. I understand the wounds that someone else lived through and why they hurt people the way that they do. We have to approach it from the fact that we all are broken people. We've all been hurt. And if you live in your hurt, if you haven't gotten through and over your hurts, you're going to continue to hurt people because you've been hurt. Hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people. If you're still living in unforgiveness, you're hurt. And you're going to hurt someone. If you haven't moved to forgiveness, you're not healed. When you come to a point of forgiveness, you're healed, and then you can heal. Where do we want to live? I want to live where I'm healed. I want to be healed. I have to be healed. I have to forgive. I want the fullness of God in my life. Number three, ask God for compassion. If any of you ask, if any of you lacks of anything, ask of God, and he will give liberally to all. He gives and gives and gives. He gives us everything we need. There is more. God wants to do more in your life than you're ready to handle. God wants to do more in your life than you're ready to process. God wants to do more in and with your life than you're ready to, than, than you're ready to sign up for. You know, you can go down to the recruiter's office and you can sign up to be in the army or the Navy, or the Marines, or the Coast Guard, right? And if you go down there and you sign up for one of those things, you know what's coming. Boot camp. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna test you. They're going to physically test you. They're going to mentally test you. Why? Because they need you to be solid so that you can go through, so that you can do what's going to need to be done. It's the same way with God. God wants you to do certain things for the kingdom. 
But have we signed up? Have we said, God, I'm willing to go through boot camp. God, put me through boot camp. Train me in the things. Help me move in forgiveness. Get the junk out so that I can be who you've called me to be, so that I can do what you've called me to do. Forgiveness stands in the way of a lot of things. Number four, steps to forgiveness. Understand how much we've been forgiven of. And guys, this is the biggest one for me. Understand how much you've been forgiven of. You know, the story of the parable of the two sons, the, the story of the prodigal son, I never really liked that story. For years when I read that story, I didn't like that story. And you know why? Because I identified with the son who stayed. <laughs> well, I, I didn't really live that bad, God, you know. I grew up in church, went to church my whole life. Not every Sunday, but a lot. And so I grew up in church, didn't know God, just grew up in church. And there was a period of time where even though I grew up in church and I was in church, I didn't live like a Christian. I didn't know God and I didn't follow his commands. But I was good. I still went to church. And so for years after coming out of that that denomina the denominational church, and coming to know God, I had this understanding that I was the good son. I was the son who stayed. I've gone to church. Actually, when I got saved, I was going to the denominational church every Sunday, and I came here every Saturday night. And so for about a year and a half, I went to church twice a week. I was the good kid. Tell you, that prodigal son, who does he think he is? But something changed. Something changed, and I realized that I'm not the son who stayed. I'm the prodigal son. I'm the son who left. I'm the son who lived that lifestyle that was unacceptable. I'm, I'm full of sin. I was full of sin. I had so much sin in my life, and I was blinded to the fact that I was. Matthew chapter 7. How dare you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye when there's a plank in your own eye? Guys, I had a plank in my eye. It's called pride. I didn't realize I had sin in my life. I was a sinner, and I needed to be forgiven. I didn't realize I had asked Jesus for forgiveness, and he forgave me, but I didn't realize all that he had forgiven me of. I didn't realize, like the song says, that I was really wretched, poor, and blind. I didn't realize what Jesus did, all that Jesus did. It took years for me to understand. I'm the prodigal son. I'm the one who came back in rags, and Jesus said, he is my son. Go get the ring. Get the best robe. Kill the fattened calf. We're going to celebrate because my son who was dead has returned. Glory to God. We need to have an understanding of how much we've been forgiven of. We need to understand... that you put the nails in Jesus' hands. You did it. I did it. We all did it. We're all guilty. It's because of him. It's because of his forgiveness. We need to grasp, we need to wrap our minds around how much Jesus has forgiven us because when we do that, we will all the more quickly forgive others. If we think we've just been forgiven of a little, we're like, oh, well, they're not a good person. Anyways, judgment, pride. This is the plank. Right. 
compassion. How do we get it? Just by spending time with God. I, I've read, I've read a number of books, yeah, obviously, you know, looking for stuff. And so it, it said this, one of the books said this, it was by uh, R.T. Kendall, Total Forgiveness, great book. If, if this is striking a chord with you and you, you're still having trouble moving on forgiveness, pick up some of these books on forgiveness, read through them, study them, underline stuff. It said this, it said, those who are most aware of their own weakness are the most likely to be able to help others. This is where God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we have an understanding of how much we've been forgiven of, we can deal better with the others. Matthew chapter 7, we go back to the story of the, the speck in the plank, right? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when there's a plank in your own eye? First, remove the, what does the scripture say? It says, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will be better able to help remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, when we've dealt with the plank, when we've dealt with our own trash, when we see that there's a plank in our eye, when we've come to the realization that there, is a pl- there was a plank in our eye, we're going to react differently and we're going to treat people differently when we are in a place of leadership and we go to remove a speck from somebody else's eye. One of the books I read, they were talking about two elders that were going to... Um, approach somebody who was in an adulterous relationship. And so the two elders are in the, in the car ride on the way there. One of the elders was an, an older elder. One of the elders was a newer elder. And so the older elder says to the younger elder, do you think that this could ever happen to you? And the guy was like, oh, absolutely not. The older elder called up, canceled the meeting, and turned the car around. You're not ready to help this person. You're not ready to help this person. You don't think it could happen to you? Who do you think you are? You haven't removed the plank from your own eye. Turn the car around. Cancel the meeting. We need to understand how weak we really are, guys. It will give us much more compassion for others. We will oh so quickly forgive. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. Right? Forget about it. Move on. Forgiveness is not about forgiving. Forgiveness is not about forgiving. We don't need to forget what happened. We just need to release those people who have hurt us from any desire of them receiving punishment for what they've done. Biblical reference, Joseph. Joseph's brothers sold him. They were going to kill him. (laughs) They were going to kill him. And then one of the brothers piped up and was like, no, don't kill him. Let's sell him. So they sold him, and they took his coat, and they ripped it and threw it and made his father believe like he was dead. Sold him. He was, in the, he was a slave. He went and he was a slave, falsely accused, put in prison. So now he's in a foreign land, formerly a slave, now in prison, forgotten. He does a favor for the baker and the, the, wine, the, the cup bearer, and he's forgotten for a long time, and he's still in prison. And then finally, someone remembers him. Was it the cupbearer? I think it was the cupbearer. Cupbearer remembers him, tells Pharaoh, says, bring him. Joseph comes, interprets the dream. He's put over all of Egypt. 
put over the whole nation for years, seven years. They're, they're stacking up grain. How long was Joseph there? All these years. And then one day, Joseph had this dream years ago. Joseph had this dream years ago, and he told his brothers, and this is what got him in trouble in the first place. But it was a, it was a God dream, and he had to share it with somebody, so he shared it with his siblings. And he said, I see, you know, my sheaf, and your sheaves are all bowing down to my sheaf. And they're like, who do you think you are? We're going to sell you. We're going to kill you. Here it is. How many years later? They come. And what does Joseph say? He says, he says to his brothers, he says, don't be angry with yourselves for what you did to me. He moved in a place of forgiveness. Not only did he, watch guys, not only did he forgive his brothers, but now he wants his brothers, he wants his brothers to forgive themselves for what they did. Don't be angry with yourselves for what you did to me. For God was working in the whole thing. Joseph had a grip on Romans 8.28, though it hadn't been written, wouldn't be written for another 3,000 years. He had a grip on Romans 8.28. God works all things together to, for good for those who are called according to his purpose and love him. You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. He brought me here, and the scripture says that I might save life, that I might preserve life. He never forgot. How many years was it? 20 years? 30 years? He never forgot. Joseph never forgot. He didn't forget. He forgave. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. He still remembered what he did. As a matter of fact, he called his brothers out and said, don't get angry for your, at yourselves. You need to forgive yourselves over what's going on. He didn't forget. And yet, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. And so at the same time, we don't have to forget, but we can't keep a record of wrongs. So what are we saying? Guys, kick over the filing cabinet and throw it away. Stop bringing it up all the time. You know, somebody... I don't remember when it was. We were in a meeting, I think. It was in a, a meeting, and, and, you know, it was, who do you need to forgive? And I couldn't think of anybody. And then they went on, and they're like, some past hurt. And I started to think, and I couldn't think. And I'm like, what have I even, what have I even already forgiven people of that I've worked through? And guys, I had trouble remembering anything. Why? Because love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, that's not to say that when I'm with someone who's hurt me in the past, I don't see what they're doing and protect myself from what they're doing. I do that. But I don't remember that they hurt me on this occasion, 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 they, have hurt, they offended me on this occasion. I don't have that list. It's nowhere. It doesn't exist. Why? Because the Bible says not to do it. Love keeps no record of wrongs. This is all the reason I need to engage in the process. The Bible says don't keep a record of wrongs. All right, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take that file and cabinet out that I have of all of the people that have hurt me in different ways, and I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to burn the thing. It's a mental exercise, guys. There's no real physical file and cabinet that I have at home. 
and I hope you guys don't either. But we have these mental filing cabinets, and we're like, you know what? On June 7th, 1994, you did this. I remember. Okay. <laughs> You're not loving. Jesus seeks to remove everything that hinders love. Joseph didn't want to see his brothers punished. Joseph was basically Pharaoh. Joseph ruled the nation. The only one above him was Pharaoh, and Pharaoh gave all of his power and authority to Joseph and said, make provision. Joseph could have said anything he wanted to the palace guards, and those brothers of his could have anything. There's no limit to what could have gone on here, guys. Joseph had all the power, but he wanted nothing for them. As a matter of fact, he not only did he not want them to suffer, he didn't want them to torture themselves about their own unforgiveness. Don't be angry with yourselves for what you did to me. It was God. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He brought me here that I might save life. I want to end with this scripture today. Psalm 51. Elizabeth read this last week. This is the psalm, and she, she, she talked about this. This is the psalm where David sins, and he kills. He has uh, an adulterous affair with Bathsheba, and then he kills Uriah to cover the whole thing up. So he's guilty of adultery, He's guilty of murder, and he's guilty of deception and lying because he's trying to cover the whole thing up. Premeditated murder. He actually told his captain of the army how to you know, make sure Uriah died in battle, murdered him. Could probably add a few things if we were actually going with legal standards here. David sinned. This was grievous. This was wild. And so then God speaks to Nathan the prophet, and Nathan the prophet comes, and he calls David out, and he says, he actually tells this parable, and he says, there was this man, and this happened to the lamb, and blah, blah, blah. And so then David says, whatever, whatever it was, he needs to pay back four times the amount. This is what David says. And then Nathan says, it's you. It's you. You're the one who killed that lamb. And so then David asks for forgiveness, and he goes in, and he writes Psalm 51, and he prays this prayer. And he says, I cut out this one first because it, it's always something that stuck out again at me. And it says, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Really? <laughs> uh, against you and you only have I sinned. It's not, that, it's, not that, it's not that he didn't sin against Uriah. He sinned against Uriah. He killed him. It wasn't that he didn't sin against Bathsheba. He sinned against Bathsheba. He committed adultery. It wasn't that he, he didn't lie and cheat. He did. It was that he saw that the most important thing that we have to get is forgiveness from God. It's the most important thing. Asking God to forgive us is the most important thing that we need to do. It's the thing we need to seek first. 
Ask God to forgive you of your sin. Ask God to forgive us of what we've done. If we can and if we've wronged others, we should go and fix it with them. Repent. Make amends with our brother. Matthew 18 tells us to do so. We must forgive others. If we've, if we've asked God for forgiveness and he's given it to us, then we need to forgive ourselves. And if we've asked others for forgiveness and they forgive us or not, we need to let go of it and we need to move on. Here's a really troubling thing. If people refuse to forgive us for what we've done, God doesn't hold it against us. He holds it against them. Right? Because if we don't forgive, then we're the ones that are in trouble. If I hurt somebody and I ask God for forgiveness and then I ask that somebody for forgiveness, I'm right with God. Whether the person forgives me or not, if they don't forgive me, whoever that person was, God holds them accountable for not forgiving. It's terrible. It makes me not want to hurt anybody because I don't want them to have to forgive or not forgive me. I don't want there to ever be a possibility that they don't forgive me and there's something held against them because of what I've done, essentially. You see how this works? It doesn't make any sense to our natural mind. But lots of stuff that Jesus does doesn't make sense to us. Asking God to forgive us is the most important thing that we need to do. And we need to do that. We need to forgive others and we need to ask others to forgive us where we've hurt people. We're going to talk more about the, the plank in the eye next week. Where is all this going? We, we keep talking about this forgiveness, and where is all this going? It, I believe that there is a point that we can get to, guys. I believe that there is a point that we can get to when we're walking in forgiveness where we become unoffendable. This is my goal. This is my goal. I want to be unoffendable. Someone offends me, somebody does wrong to me, I do not want to be offended. This is, where I'm, this is where I'm targeting. I don't know how close I am yet. That's next week's message. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask you to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from what we've done. God, we seek for you God, we want your spirit on the inside of us. And God, we just pray that you would forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of the things that we've done wrong. God, help us to forgive ourselves. We've asked you for forgiveness. Help us to move on. And God, help us to forgive others. Help us to forgive others, Lord. God, whatever it is that's been done, however we've been wronged. God, help us to not want to hold them accountable. 
Help us to release them to your hands. That you deal with them. God, we, we want to move in forgiveness. We have to move in forgiveness. Help us to forgive, Lord. God, we pray that you would guide us and lead us by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come and even reveal to us things in our hearts that we need to forgive others of that we didn't know that we had. Unforgiveness that we didn't know that we were walking in, Lord. God, reveal it to us, Lord. Unforgiveness against organizations and unforgiveness against the church and unforgiveness against society and unforgiveness against you, God. Help us to forgive. God, open our hearts. Let our hearts be open. Let us see our own heart. God, give us revelation that we might see what's in our own heart. And God, let us know if there's bitterness there towards anyone or anything. God, we want to be healed. We want to be whole. We want to move with you. We want to do all to your glory. God, we want to remove everything that hinders love. God, we want nothing to stand in the way of love. Help us to love one another. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you're here today or if you're watching with us online and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't, you don't know what that means and you've never asked Jesus to come and live inside your heart, I want to invite you to do that today. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you, for your sins, that your sins could be forgiven, that you could have a relationship with God here, and that we could go and spend eternity in heaven with him later. If you're here today, or if you're watching online, and you want to make that decision today, there's never, be there's never a better time than right now, never a better time than the present to make the decision to follow Christ with your whole heart. What would stop you? What's standing in the way of you making that decision today? If you want to make that decision today, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. Say this prayer. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come and live inside my heart. Help me to live for you all of the days of my life. Give me your strength that I might not sin. And help me to forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen. If you